You ready? Yep. How about you? Yep. Start it up. If you Google like Chinese 200 days, I bet you'll find the article and they're going to, uh, yeah, I guess spend 200 days in isolation to replicate what it would be like on a planet or at the space station or whatever, but it might be something in like a bubble or something. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I skimmed like skimmed Reddit and I thought like, Oh, this this will be something Hayden will be all over this at some point so <laughs> it has to do with space so of course Hayden will be all over it well and I don't I don't know and I find it intriguing I don't know enough about it so I it was just like I can't speak on that I, I was like I need need Hayden to talk about right that. I, you're like me I need to bring it up and know that it's space oriented <laughs> and hope that Hayden fills in the blanks yeah. <laughs> yeah well here we are to episode 13 we made it 13 episodes in it's unbelievable it's what almost three months we've been doing it three months we've been put together content and just kind wow. of off the cuff Time you flies. Know, shooting from the hip with stuff and here we are, we're welcomed in. We go from our very first episode with our, you know, beginner level microphones to here we are now where we've got a, a guest that's going to be in with us for all three tops on the phone. So let's welcome in Jared Ernzen, my best friend, best man in my wedding, best man in his wedding, resident, really good dude coming back in uh, from a couple episodes ago. So Jared, welcome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I, uh, I think the last time I took a little joyride in the van and, and uh and this time, I think we're going to take a full-fledged road trip. So, oh, yeah, you better um, believe it. And, and by the way, man, you threw out my phone number, my six five one four eight zero seven phone yeah, number for yes. the last. That episode. was his. Mm-hmm. That was my number. And and Wade's and I, oh man, you know, I know yours was six eight two nine two nine three nine two nine three. Wow. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. See, um, thank you for my fact checking, Jared. I appreciate that. This is not what a campaign that we've referenced once or twice before on this show (laughs) i appreciate the fact checking so well we talked about the last time you came on about how you've listened before so you know your way around uh the inside Mm -hmm. of the van you know kind of what you're getting yourself into so i want to welcome you first and foremost you know your part but we're going to jump in and do it like we always do everybody have you heard about this guy that escaped from prison for the second time except he probably used a drone this time Probably. Okay, okay what well, he used the first time. Uh, him and a buddy just held a uh, hit in the back of a garbage truck, like in actual garbage, mm-hmm. and they got out undetected. And then he got caught the first time. He escaped ordering a pizza. So he was that guy. <laughs> he gave him his real name. Yeah. <laughs> so then he steps it up, right? And his second escape from prison, he uh, gets a cell phone smuggled in somehow, you know, probably... We, we know. Get keister it. You know? <laughs> Somebody keistered a cell phone. Got him one. And, we know. And we know. And <laughs> then, so that he was able to make plans and set everything up, and then the police and the authorities, FBI, think that a drone dropped off wire cutters into the yard so that he could cut out of the fence because wow. of the holes that were left. Nice. A drone dropped it in. That's what they're thinking. And they're, apparently they're, this is a, like a trend. This is something that's happening in prisons across the country. They like, just don't want to take blame. 
They're like, no, we're shitty, and we a guy escaped. <laughs> no, but listen, yeah. this guy, his name's Jimmy Causey. He's serving life in prison for holding a lawyer and his family hostage at gunpoint, like oh, way my. back in 2002. So serving a life sentence for that. Sounds like a good guy. Right. <laughs> he was caught, well, he went undetected for 18 hours because he left a dummy in his cell. Apparently this is like his thing. He did this both times he escaped from prison. I guess it definitely would give you at least a some time. Yeah, I mean. Because they're not going to come in and shake you unless it's like, you know, I guess that time of day where they're like, get your ass up. You know, and it's something you plan and plot. So I'm sure you sleep on your back or on your side where your face isn't showing for Mm -hmm. two months leading up to it. So that way (laughs) they don't think that's odd behavior or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. But um, gosh, when he was caught, listen to this. He had on him four cell phones, a shotgun. That's a lot of keister space. A lot. Oh, dude, <laughs> he he's been in prison since two thousand two. Oh, he's got so compartments. Man. He's he's got he's yeah. got separate compartments down there. <laughs> so a shotgun, a pistol, and forty seven thousand dollars cash. Nice. Right after right after escaping jail. Yes. Wow. Yes. How does he get that? I, who who knows? How does he get a drone to drop off wire cutters? <laughs> Like, who likes this guy enough to hook him up with $47,000 guns and everything else? Like, Especially if he's dumb enough the first time he got caught by ordering a pizza. Was this guy like like a gang member or something? Is this what? I I don't know. Like, did he have like a whole crew of people outside of jail that was... I don't like to judge a book by its cover, but he didn't look like a gang member. (laughs) I'll say that. (laughs) You know, well, that's a little racist. He looked like a guy that would get caught. You would see his mugshot. This guy was bro- broke out of prison and got caught ordering a pizza. And you see the mugshot. It looks like that. Oh, my. <laughs> so so like, that doesn't look like a you know, drug kingpin. No, you know, like he, like he was in for wire fraud or something like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but the prison systems now are looking at. Uh, individual prison systems spending upwards of $7 million to install netting over the properties to stop drones <laughs> from dropping shit off. <laughs> no. Wow. Well, because that's probably cheaper than paying someone to be outside with a shotgun scanning the sky all day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because that's essentially what you would essentially have to do. And if someone's flying a drone okay, over but the jail, Hayden, you'd, why is, you'd take it out of the sky. Why are drones an issue at... at- prisons yeah and <laughs> yeah second welcome to 2017 man oh my goodness that's damn technology well well back in the day you had to train an a falcon <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> or if you grow so, up in kazakhstan on the side of a mountain right you just went out and trained a <laughs> falcon and and that's how you got whatever you needed into the prison oh i mean i've goodness. seen the movies i know that's how it was back in the day yeah, this is like a, a sub, have you heard? So I'm not going to throw in, you know, Lloyd and Harry to do it for us. But have you heard about the Peregrine Falcons that have recently gotten released? Like, like adult ones since, like, breeding and all that? No. Yeah, there huh. was some adult ones they've gotten like, released. Like here in the Smokies? Uh, somewhere here in the States. I didn't want to say here in the Smokies. It was somewhere here in the States. We have, maybe, we maybe have Peregrine Falcons in Maybe in, Washington in the State. Smokies. I don't know. It's in my brain somewhere. I've seen some one time. It was actually quite cool. I'd never, I've seen like red-tailed hawks and eagles and all sorts of crazy stuff, but I've never seen a Peregrine Falcon. And one day I was sitting on the side of the river, and just I hear it screeching, and I look up, and there's two of them up on a tree. And I'm just mm. like, what? 
Grown my whole life here, never seen one. How would I know that it's a peregrine falcon? Because they they have like a screech. They don't sound like a hawk or an eagle. Like it's a high pitched screech. And you I know, saw it. Like literally, I looked up. I'm like, holy, sh- there they are. You want to give us that screech? No. Okay. <laughs> I, just, I thought I thought I'd ask. All right, let's do this proper. Jared, do you have one? I do. All right, here we go. Everybody, have you heard? All right, have you guys heard about Bobby Bonilla Day? I, uh, I haven't yeah, heard it today, but I think I know where you're going. <laughs> please yeah, please so fill it, us in. So uh, it, it was last week, July 1st, every year is known as Bobby Bonilla Day. Uh, Bobby Bonilla was a player for the New York Mets back in the, the late 80s and 90s. And in 2000, um, it was his final year of his contract, I guess, and the Mets uh, wanted to get rid of him. So he had his final year salary payment of $5.9 million. And instead of paying him that $5.9 million for the year 2000, what he was owed, they deferred it to 2010, essentially setting up an annuity. So Bobby Bonilla's uh, agent at the time was a former insurance agent. Um, who also had guys like Barry Bonds, Jose Canseco, and a couple other, you know, well-known baseball players as his, uh, as his clients. And so this guy really understood annuity type payments. So that five point. He sounds uh, like J.G. Wentworth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hate some, so, some cats and, now. Yeah. So like kind of the way annuities work, like you, you pay a, a big lump sum of money. And then there is a growth period, so like a time that, that the money is growing. And then there's the annuitization period, the, the time that the payments are actually paid out to the owner of the annuity. Got it. So, so Bobby Bonilla's uh, worked out a deal to where he was guaranteed 8% return. So that annuity period from 2000 to 2010 grew that 5.9 million to like over 29 million dollars. Okay. So and so from 2010 to 2035, every year on July 1st, the New York Mets pays Bobby Bonilla 1.19 million dollars. <laughs> wow! Instead of giving him 5.3 million dollars back in the day. Yeah, yeah. In 2000, they could have given him that money right then and there, but instead, they must have needed that money. Now they needed it bad then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and and this is funny because there's speculation to where, uh, you know, why did the Mets do the deal? Well, obviously they needed the money, but some other speculation is that their owners at the time, um, the Wilpons, I don't know their first name, but they had many accounts with Bernie Madoff. And uh, Madoff name was, drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Madoff was returning quote unquote twelve to fifteen percent a year, and what we now know were fictional returns. So there's a lot of speculation that the um, the, the Mets, you know, would would take that money and put it in, you know, put it with Bernie Madoff, and then grow that money and make a big profit on the deal, as opposed to you know coming out behind. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. And another article I read said that, um, Bobby Bonilla has come out so well on this deal. If he had taken that $5.9 million, say they gave it to him and he invested it in the S and P, 
he would have earned only about 1.4% annualized return for 2010. (laughs) So, you know, next to nothing. If he would have put it in the Vanguard balance index fund, he would have gotten a 3.6 return. So he came out way ahead in this deal. And And he's getting a million dollars a year from now until 2035. Yeah, for 25 years, from 2010 to 2035, every year, $1.19 million just by setting up this this deal with the Mets and having a really smart agent. Because he made, I think his career earnings were $46 million up to that point. So the 29.8 that he earned on this last five point five million dollars of his deal for sitting on the couch (laughs) yeah that's a hell of a retirement plan let me just tell you that (laughs) yeah and even to make it better um since he since he didn't have to earn the money in 2000 so that 5.9 million in 2000 he instead of because he was with the mets at that time and new york has a state income tax well now he lives in Florida, a state with no income tax. Of course. And then all, yeah, and then also baseball players have to pay these jock taxes. So essentially, like every state that they play a game in, their like pay stub has a taxes that are paid to every single state because um, they're playing. They're they're providing their service in that state. They're playing a game in these states, so they have to pay taxes in every state that they play a game. Yeah, my buddy Vince that played minor league ball in the Yankees organization told me about that. He he said it was really, really interesting how you had to pay taxes in every single state that you played a game in. So like whatever you would technically have made for that game, that income would be taxed to whatever that state's rate is. And that was interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure your per game check would be, you know, applied to whatever the state's tax was. That's interesting. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they said, like, the, the moral of the story is that if, if someone can ever guarantee you 8% return, then that's a pretty good deal and that, that you would want to take that. Historically, over the last 100 years, the stock market, they say, is depending on which data you look at, um, the, is averaged around a 10% return. But then there's periods of, you know, decades where the returns are very poor. And, uh, you know, obviously in 2000 with the, the market crash and everything, that that was a, a poor time. So Bobby Bonilla was very smart in orchestrating this 8% return compound interest every year for the growth period of his annuity. So. Dude, I feel like I need to call J.G. Wentworth tomorrow. Like, I need to set me <laughs> up know. an annuity. Like, I need to get this going. <laughs> well, it's well, your that's, money. I mean, yeah, and that's why uh, professional athletes, they're very popular with that because you've got these athletes that, and, you know, I'm not talking about, like, LeBron James that's got silly money or Jordan, but guys that maybe make 30 or $40 million over the course of their career, maybe they get a, a big signing bonus. They'll use that signing bonus to buy an annuity, and, oh, I don't want it to start paying until 25 years from now. And then by that time, there's so much growth on it that then they start getting those annuities. It's just kind of like a retirement fund for them. But for sure. it's uh, definitely very popular. Well done, my friend. Well done. Well done. Thanks. Hayden, you got one? Everybody, have you heard? About this kid in Colorado that got bit by a bear? 
<laughs> no. Bit by a bear, okay? Apparently this kid, he was about uh, 50 miles northwest of Denver camping. Camp, I think it was, what I thought. Oh, I didn't. He was like a, yeah, he was like a camp leader or Miss, something. Missed that detail. Um, but anyway. you say that... Could you say that they were very campy? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. Sorry. Jared. Had to. Sorry. Had to. Sorry. Uh, but they were camping. Like, they were out, you know, sleeping in the outdoors. And uh, so, apparently, this kid is laying there. He's 19 years old, and he's a, a staffer. And, like Wade said, he hears this crunching noise and doesn't realize what's happening. And all of a sudden, he's getting pulled out of his sleeping bag and he gets drugged like 10 to 12 feet. Can you imagine? Uh, like, literally, he doesn't realize what's happening, and he's hearing a crunching noise, is what his recount is. He just hears a crunching noise and doesn't know what's happening, and then all of a sudden he's being drugged 10 to 12 feet by this bear out of the tent and out of his sleeping bag. <coughs> um, so the other people around all of a sudden jump up and are, like, screaming and yelling and swatting at this bear because he's got their friend in his mouth. and apparently Dragging him away. Dragging him away. Um Apparently the bear didn't put up too much of a fight and it let go and got startled off and took off running. But so the kid, you know, he was hurt. He had some puncture wounds on his head, but he he lived. But uh, yeah. See, I just read the first sentence of it and I was like, "This is a Hayden H Y H." So I gotta throw it to him. <laughs> and I just heard that it was a staffer. So kid got drugged ten to twelve feet. Yeah. Yeah, and like his exact rec- he's apparently in the he they quoted him saying, I guess the crunching noise was just my was the teeth scraping against my skull. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess. Well, you know, he just <laughs> grabbed me out of my sleeping bag, wanted to go play, you know, game of just the tip. So uh <laughs> the uh game warden is a, you know, obviously doing the thing that they do, which is sad, but it's what has to happen. So they're setting traps and trying to find this bear to take care of it but mm. so with bears i don't know i've heard i feel like i've heard two separate sides of it that if you're if like a bear's in the area you're supposed to do two things like one either play dead or the other like bang pots and pans together because the loud noises <laughs> like weird. make yourself Let's big no right. i think yeah. it depends on the <laughs> like i don't know like i've always known like Growing up in the Smokies, we were always told... Because you see that video of that dude that goes up to the kangaroo and just socks him right on the chin <laughs> to save his dog. Yeah. Oh, love that's that. That's awesome video. That worked out, you know? <laughs> but no, like, apparently black bears, they don't eat carrion, you know, or carcasses. So, if you pretend... Like, they won't, I, eat, they I, won't I, eat anything already I eat on dead. the plane, too. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, carrion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But a bear won't eat anything that's already dead. So apparently, for a black bear, if you are being attacked, or if you're about to be attacked, like just laying down and pretending to be dead, is the best defense. If it's coming after you, I guess. I don't know. I've never uh, had to stand So okay. I'm supposed to distinguish between a black bear and a grizzly bear when I'm being attacked by a bear? Well, in the East Coast, there is only one kind of bear. But if you go out west, there's like five kinds of bears. Okay. But I see a bear. The ones that they say you're supposed to just like act like you're the biggest, baddest dude is like brown bears. Mm. Like where you, like you said, banging the pots together, open your coat up and make yourself look real big. And like yell. grizzly bears? Yeah. Like you just got to be like, no, no, bitch, I'm tougher than you. And yeah, you thought. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry, but I. I <laughs> yeah, if, dude. Uh, if, well, if what else are you gonna do? They can run like forty miles an hour. Like oh, it's I know. E- it's either 
it's either act tough and scare yeah. and try and scare him off or die. So I'm probably I'm probably just gonna lay down and get eaten because <laughs> Same. I'm not I'm not trying to square up and like you know tell that grizzly bear to catch these hands. You know, yeah, I don't I don't know, but I mean, I guess you'll just do whatever instinct takes over at that point but and, yeah i'd probably just say i'm done i'm gonna lay down and let him eat me or just run i mean I, most people will yeah. probably instinctively just run as fast as they can and then that bear is just going to get you but yeah, yeah i mean like but that's always been what i my understanding what you're really supposed to do is like for gris, brown bears and grizzlies it's just you got to that's why people also carry bear mace because there is no real defense of a grizzly bear and <laughs> That's why people, you know, hiking out in the the bear country of the West, they carry that on your sidearm like a big thing of bear mace. Mm. Some people just carry a three fifty seven, but right, <laughs> uh, yeah, but just make him mad. I think my favorite quote from the article though is the kid just saying how he's not scared anymore of sleeping outside, like he was scared before any of that happened but <laughs> right. since so that's probably the worst thing that'll ever happen to him he's not scared anymore. yeah now i can sleep under the stars in my sleeping bag with no fear mm. <laughs> bear ain't gonna, <laughs> he ain't gonna drag me hey this is what he's teaching his campers right now if a bear drags you out of your sleeping bag he's not gonna get you far <laughs> <laughs> see he only got stop, me like 12 feet <laughs> stop being such a puss about it <laughs> yeah well, he's just gonna scalp you, but no big deal. Yeah, no, no biggie. I think that maybe that crunching sound was my his teeth going against my skull. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You got one, Malcolm? Yeah, I do. Let's do but it. speaking of a bear fighting against a human, everybody, have you heard? Segways, that a boy? <laughs> trying to. Trying to. <laughs> speaking of a bear fighting against a human, <laughs> uh, pretty much. That's what I'm gonna compare it to. Um... Are you paying ninety nine ninety five, Jared, to watch Mayweather versus mm. McGregor mm. in HD? You could watch it in standard definition for eighty nine ninety five. One of these for the segue. That was that was <laughs> wow. that was good. Thank that you. really was good. That no, was, who's, I, who's the bear and who's the human? I ain't oh, telling you. <laughs> you figure the, it out. <laughs> oh, the bear is Mayweather, man. This fight, no, I. I'm not going to pay. There's no way I can pay $100 for this because okay. I think... Uh, you can just pay $90, though, for not <laughs> low quality. The, the hundreds just for HD. Do they even yeah. sell standard dish? Dis- Have you watched something in standard definition lately? It's awful. I <laughs> it's almost like yeah. had forgotten that it existed. Still. It is literally the worst. Public yeah. broadcast is in HD. Can you imagine a boxing match? Well, I think if you get oh. a if you get a movie on Amazon Prime, they still have that option. Um, oh, they do. Want, they, yeah, if you want yeah. something so, in HD, you can do not. the same thing for Netflix. Yeah, yeah, that's so hilarious. Silly. So, but, Jared, you buying it or no? No, man. I I might try to go watch it somewhere. I think like. Buffalo Wild Wings or some of those places you can just get in and watch it there. So but hey, speaking of that, have you heard how they get charged for those fights? Before I break no. it down, it's by the seat. No. It's by the seat. It is expensive. I did not know that. Really? So really? Buffalo Wild Wings gets charged by how many seats their establishment holds as they, to I mean, how much they the get fight a, costs them. They still get a oh. business rate per seat. Like, they're not paying $100 a seat like the pay-per-view yeah. is. Correct. They're, but it's still, like, 50 or 40 or like, 30. I mean, it's still a lot. I was under the assumption that they paid 100 bucks and that they got to charge $10 per head and make thousands. 
but yeah, I was just put up vastly mistaken. Yeah. No, no, yeah, it's they pay a lot, but they make all their money up with food and alcohol. Absolutely, like Hooters. I, I feel like when um, when Pacquiao and Mayweather fought, it was the same price. It was like it was like twenty five or thirty dollars to get into Hooters. Like wow, really? Like, yeah, I mean it was high. So you got to imagine that they're probably getting charged around ten dollars a seat at least. I mean, bare minimum because they're going to be making twenty, you know, thirty two. I mean, of course they're going to get it at a rate, but it's still they're paying by the seat, like you said. And if you have five hundred people that you can seat in your That's restaurant, funny. You, Why not? I actually it, heard that from my father in law. <laughs> funny I enough, I did not know that. Yeah, so at his retirement party, <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about if we were going to get it or not. So and, I have to ask this though. Like, what do you think is going to play out? Is it going to be the iron fist of McGregor or the the defense of Mayweather? Iron fist of McGregor or the defense? Because McGregor's got the reach and the power hit, and Mayweather is like, I mean, he's he's the guy you can't hit. He just wears people out because nobody can. Mayweather play. is the boxer, though. And but yeah, but dude. that's the thing. Like that, when it comes to fundamental boxing, I have a feeling that it's going to come down to decision. For Mayweather, there, dude, there's, but there's that chance. Uh, there's that chance that he gets one hit on that him. McGregor, because man, yeah. he is a he's a, literally an iron fisted hitter. But that's why they're gonna sell four, five, six, seven million pay per views is because of that. What you just said, I know. Final but that's sentence. the thing It's like they both have their advantage. Now, when it comes down to fundamental boxing, if McGregor can't land some serious, serious hard hits like he's he, known for, he won't. Th- but if he does, if he that's, lands, that's it. I mean, that's that's where it could totally take its a swing to the wrong direction. But if it comes down to a fundamental boxing fight, of course Mayweather's going to win. But a serious, serious Conor McGregor hit is only going to take one, hmm. and Mayweather's out. Right. So he's not going to have to land multiple ones. Right. The question is, is he going to land anything clean enough to daze him long enough for him to slow down to hit one of those? Right. And. There's a man. I'm just, I'm just, it, I, I'm definitely in the intrigued of this fight because, mm, you know, sure. I haven't really been into that many boxing matches. I'm like, whatever. These dudes get paid a hundred. Well, you listened dollars. to the episode when you were gone, and uh, Joe and your brother were in here. We talked about mm-hmm. this, and that was the side that I brought up for the. That's the UFC argument, is what you just said. The UFC fans are like, whoa, have you seen this kid knock anybody out yeah. before? Like, wait a second. One, he's got gloves on, so he's not bare-fisted like he knocks those dudes out in UFC. So it's a little different. But two, he's going against somebody that is the best pound-for-pound fighter in history oh, I know. I of know. fighting. But his so, style is all defense. Correct. That's like so, literally everything he does is defense until he gets them totally worn out, and then he'll score his hits. Where are you at on it, Malcolm? I think... Listening to the both of them talk and seeing the way they train, I'm thinking if it goes at least five rounds deep, it's Mayweather's fight. Yes. I think with Hayden, what you're saying, if McGregor's able to land at least one or two punches in those first four rounds, we got a fight. Like full contact McGregor hits. full contact. I'm telling you, if he lands one full contact McGregor hit, the fight's over. Yeah. It swings the... The oh, the Manny Pacquiao, who has been a professional fighter his whole life, didn't land one full contact hit in twelve rounds on Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very. But hard also, for the reach of Pacquiao versus McGregor is on a whole different. That's level. true. McGregor got him by like a foot and a half at least. Where are you at on it, Jared? 
man, I I would love to love to see Conor McGregor win, but Me too. honestly, honestly, I I don't think it's going to be close. I think Mayweather, Mayweather. I, I mean, this might actually be the fight where Mayweather knocks out McGregor in wow. three, four, five rounds. Mayweather is like Wade said, pound for pound, the best boxer. His speed and skill and jabs are so technical. And McGregor, they were showing like some sparring sessions where he was sparring with some guys. And I mean, looks like an amateur boxer, an amateur. Now, could he get lucky and throw a home run, uh, a home run punch and hit him? He could. But keep in mind, like Victor Ortiz, when he fought Mayweather, he was he was throwing nothing but but bombs. And, you know, he caught Floyd with a couple shots and. Still, I mean, that was the one that I guess where where uh, Floyd cheap shot at him, but Floyd still would have won that fight. But I mean, honestly, I just think it, it's a money grab for both guys, and and I think that Floyd's going to handle him very easily. I think Connor's going to walk out of the ring. He's going to go straight to Floyd's dressing room. They're going to pop champagne and pour it yeah. in each other's faces, and then Connor McGregor's never going to fight in UFC ever again. That's a hundred percent what's going to happen. He won't need to. It's, oh yeah. And I, I mean, dude, they get paid like a, a couple million for fights in the UFC, and they're getting paid like a two. The, his the, highest purse is three million dollars. Yeah. And isn't the fight for the combined payouts like two twenty five for this fight? Oh no, his. That's what Floyd will take. Oh, okay. So I had the numbers yeah. ba- messed up, but like McGregor's like a hundred something million. Well, on the episode, if you would catch up on your BRV, um, <laughs> on the episode where you were gone at the he beach, you can't memorize the numbers. I He's, can't memorize he numbers. He obviously heard it. <laughs> no, we talked about like Connor's going to get around one twenty. 120 okay, million, yeah, and Floyd's right. going to go around 190 to 220, somewhere in between that range. I thought I'd saw it went up to 225. Mm. I mean, I'll be honest. I would risk my perfect record for an extra two hundred and twenty-five million dollars. See, that's the thing. This is this is going to be incredible. The amount like of money he probably has good take. confidence he's going to win. But what kind of a gamble is that? That's not even a gamble. That's like well, it's hell- an exhibition. He's not. He doesn't have his title on. Line. Right. It's not even for the belt or anything. It's just for two. He's just going to get yeah. paid two hundred twenty-five million dollars to risk having one loss on his fifty or on his fiftieth fight. Right. And he's going to be yeah. able to laugh at everybody else while he's laying on his two hundred. Yeah, who cares if he like from his point of view? It's like he's already tied the record. No, but this fight could, um, depending if he gets to if his he 200, wins, he'll have the record. No, but if he gets to what I'm saying is if he gets to his two hundred million payout, yeah, then his net worth could put him at worth almost a billion dollars. Jeez, right now he's worth like eight hundred some million dollars. Yeah, if he's what? smart, he if he's smart, he would. Uh, kind of dance with McGregor a little bit, let McGregor get a few hits, let it go late, let it go to a decision, and then uh, have a rematch and just make the same amount of money yep. all over again. Yep. Or even more. God. Or more. Now you're thinking, Jared. Mm-hmm. Y'all, be a boxer. <laughs> you guys mind if I talk more money with you real quick? We're talking about straight cash, Absolutely. homie. Straight cash? All right. Everybody, have you heard... So I believe his name is Eric Finman, and the only reason I'm bringing him up is because we talk Bitcoin enough. Have y'all heard about this yet? Never heard of it. Nope. No? Okay. So Eric... <laughs> oh, is this the other currency that's exploded? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> um, so... Tell me about Finman. Okay. So Eric Finman with Bitcoin. Finman. Finman. In 2011, he was about 12 years old. His grandma 
gives him $1,000. And the deal with his parents is, okay, if you're able to somehow turn that 1000 into a million dollars, you won't have to go to college. We will allow you to skip college. No. So he sa- okay. So he says, okay, deal. And he somehow does it. It's 2017, and he takes that $1,000, somehow finds enough people who have Bitcoin at the age of 12, and turns it into now a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Which so he took that 1000 gathered up as much Bitcoin it. as he could get with and that now thousand. It's worth and now it's worth over a million. million. And just sat on it. Yeah, and yeah. he's not going to college. Like his parent, one of his parents has a PhD, and I can't remember what the other one does. Um, a million in your life is not really that much money. I guess if you worked an average job and had a million dollars... But maybe they meant they would fund his life. Maybe they're rich as hell, and maybe they oh, meant you yeah. don't have to go to college and we'll pay for your whole life if maybe. you can... Because, like, a million dollars would pay for, like, the basic cost of living for an average person for, like, 30 years, but, like, not anything else. For sure. Um, It's not money you can live forever on. Yeah, not at all. I'm thinking his parents will probably pay for the rest, only because I'm I'm pretty sure the article said that one of his parents went to Stanford and whatnot. So, I I don't know. Hmm. I'm thinking, like, big-time schools, has a PhD, and does whatever with their lives, so they're just going to... The kid was able to turn $1,000 into a million dollars in five years. You would think that he's going to go to college and be someone super important one day. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what brilliant things I was doing when I was 12. Not that. Hmm. Nothing close to that. Definitely not. Investing uh, in Bitcoin. I would have spent it all. Already. I was probably watching Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> and Jared, what were you doing at 12 years old? We were probably playing Home Run Derby in the street, yeah. weren't we, Jared? Yeah, 12 years old, we would have been playing basketball in your driveway with the, the little ball so we could dunk it yeah. and, playing, <laughs> and playing home run derby in the street. And then when it, once it got dark, playing hide and seek until till it got late. And Jared says, so we could dunk it. Jared was always the tallest <laughs> one, so he, even when we lowered it, I had trouble. Jared could dunk it. <laughs> but we'll move on. Everybody, have you heard? You guys heard about these extra troubles that Delta Airlines is having? No, but I, I want to no, hear all of them. Okay. Yeah. So I swear to you, there was like a stretch of three or four episodes where we were talking about stuff happening in, over our heads in the air, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different airlines. And this was this time, it's Delta. The headline goes as follows Flight attendant breaks wine bottle over passenger's head. Yes. Yes. That's what I said. <laughs> I said, count, right. count me in. <laughs> so on a flight from Seattle to Beijing, this guy, Joseph Daniel Hudeck IV of Tampa, Florida. Yeah, you heard me right. That's a hell of a name. Look dude up. So, what, what, Say uh, that last name again. After I tell you the story, you're going to want to look this fourth? guy up. Joseph Daniel Hudeck IV. Hmm. Spell Hudeck. H-U-E-D-C-K? H-U-G-H-D-A... No. It's not H-U-G-H? No. Oh, shit. I don't know. Jared? H-U-G-H-D-I-C-K. No. (laughs) Huge. (laughs) Not it? Well done. No, sir. All right, so listen to this guy. The only reason he stood out prior to takeoff was he grabs a he wanted a beer from the flight attendant before they take off, but he didn't seem belligerent, so she serves him a beer. Flight goes relatively normal. 
They're about an hour in. They get over the Pacific Ocean, and he gets up to goes to the goes to the restroom. He's in the restroom for a couple of minutes. He comes out of the restroom very briefly, says something to the flight attendant, and then darts back into the restroom. Okay, he's in the restroom for you know thirty, forty more seconds, and then comes jumping out of the restroom and goes straight for the exit door. Starts like ripping on the exit door, the, like the 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 emergency exit door. Oh my god. It's like hmm. outside, oh, no. over the ocean, like they're over the middle At of like the ocean. At like 30,000 cruising altitude. Cruising altitude. <laughs> so he's going for the door, and two flight attendants are like trying to grab him, and he pushes one off with an arm, and then turns around and socks the other one in the face twice, just like wham, wham, and goes back to the door, trying to open the door up again. Uh, some passengers try to jump on him. I was about to say, where's the people on the plane? Like, come on, y'all. <laughs> people in the exit row, you know. Yeah. Like, that's their duty. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they don't say that in the pre-flight demonstration, you know. <laughs> then they're going through the mask. And are you willing? One of the questions I ask you, though, you know, put them on blast for a minute. Yeah. Are you I've willing to help me in the, <laughs> the you know, a case of a disaster? Yeah. And you all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. oh, I'm like that. I'm like, yes, let's do this. Crazy asshole coming out of the bathroom trying to open the door up on 30,000 feet over the ocean qualifies. I'd have like, like spider monkey style on his back to choke him out. So that's what a couple tri- <laughs> couple people tried to do. So what is what does crazy dude do? He reaches over and he grabs two dessert wine bottles and busts them over the passengers' faces. Ends up like severely lacerating one Holy of the passengers oh that tried to stop him. Wow. So... Then that probably sparked something in one of the flight attendants' heads. So one of the flight attendant grabs two wine bottles, busts them both over dude's head. One of them breaks. The other one doesn't break. So imagine, have you ever seen a YouTube video of someone getting busted over the head with a bottle and the doesn't bottle break. doesn't break? Just Yikes. A, oh, gosh, that just <laughs> sound that you get. It's you got to imagine how much pain that is. Dude turns around and looks at him like bug-eyed and screams, do you know who I am? <laughs> no. No restraint whatsoever. Okay? Still going for the door. Had Probably on PCP or something. That's probably what he was doing in the bathroom. It was like bath salts or something. So still going for the door. A guy jumps on his back, tries to put him in the headlock, shakes him off. So then 15 people have no. to hold this guy down until someone comes in with zip ties to zip tie his ass down. Oh, 15 people. <laughs> What a 30,000 feet up in the air over the ocean. What a Holy flight. Man. Wow. Can you imagine <laughs> I'd, I'd anything like to, I'd, close to that happening? I, 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 just have a, I just feel like I'd want to be one of those people on that pile. Like, let's get him. Do you know who I am? <laughs> After he just had two wine bottles over his head. God. I hope, I hope they were watching a movie on that flight, like 300 or... Like Con know. Air, <laughs> exactly shakes off of, out of a headlock. Like gladiator, so, something crazy. Ugh. But like uh, passenger and two flight attendants, or two passengers and some two flight attendants, something like that, went to the hospital with severe injuries. Well, I mean, if if they got wine bottles busted over their face, yeah, yeah, shit. But the picture to the article, which I found in the Associated Press, shows the a picture of the door. With just a bunch of red wine splattered all over it. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Oh, do wow. I? Yeah, it was insane. It was insane. So, Jared, you got another one? I do. All right, how about that? Everybody, have you heard? 
about the new documentary on HBO called The Defiant Ones. Yes. Thank you for bringing this up. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, it's a new documentary on HBO. It's a four-part series called The Defiant Ones, and it's about uh, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. And it kind of chronicles like a – I think they go back like 30 or 40 years back to Jimmy Iovine's beginning. But you know, Jimmy Iovine's this music mogul. He was the head of Interscope Records. He helped uh, finance and start uh, Death Row Records, which was a subsidiary of Interscope Records. Um, he has produced music for John Lennon. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Lady Gaga, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop, you know, just a lot of big name musicians over the years. So That's quite a list. That is a series. Well, yeah. That's yeah, just the beginning of the list. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I mean, literally, there's so many, yeah. so many more. And this documentary is, I'm, I'm literally only on episode one, but I had to talk about it because the production quality is so good. They've got interviews all over the place. Um, by nature, Dr. Dre is a very private person. Like on social media, he never puts uh, any pictures out there of like his kids or in the studio or on his boats and all that. But this documentary kind of gives access that you haven't seen before. Um, like they're talking to him and he's literally on a yacht in the middle of this storm over the ocean. The very first episode, right from the beginning, talks about Apple's deal to buy Beats Beats Audio, which Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre were like co-founders of. And so kind of the way that went down was Jimmy Iovine was working this deal with Apple and, and setting up, and the number was $3.2 billion. Well, like For headphones with, and software? Uh, yeah. Holy you know, the, shit. Just, That's almost as much as they bought Disney bought Star Wars for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think they just found that it be, would become so popular. And with Apple and iTunes and music, and part of the reason that Beats got founded was Dr. Dre felt that around the time where music became digital and piracy started happening, obviously that put a significant dent in revenue. But more than that, Dr. Dre has always been a producer and in the studio and he's making all this great music. And he says that these Apple earphones, earbuds that come with the iPods and the phones are low quality. Yeah. They're not, you they're don't not hear, ear- you don't hear all the sound. Yeah, you don't hear all the sounds. So him and Jimmy Iovine started this and started this company. And then so they've always felt like those two companies are married together, you know, with with music and with the sound. Well, so when the the, the whispers of the, st- the sale started to get out, there was Puff Daddy called Jimmy Iovine and was asking about it. Jimmy I- Iovine was being very coy. Will I am, you know, a couple other people. And then... So Jimmy Iovine calls Dr. Dre and says, Dre, look, um, stay home this weekend and don't do anything. Don't don't talk to anybody. And Dre's like, all right. Well, that weekend later, there's a Facebook video that comes out and it's Tyrese and Dr. Dre wasted 
uh, talking about you better re you know recheck the Forbes list and Dr. Oh, Dre. No. Was, yeah, Dr. Dre was like a first billionaire rapper, music mogul, you know, this that and the other. So that gets out and it creates this big storm and you know Dre was just so embarrassed by it. He said it's like the most embarrassed he's ever been in his life. Well, you know, fast forward a couple months, the sale ends up going through for three billion dollars. But I mean, that's how they set up this documentary. And then, of course, they're interviewing Snoop Dogg, and he's like, "Oh, oh, oh, nephew, uh, oh, yeah, y'all think this is a funny game? Oh, y'all take a take a couple off, take a couple billion off, nephew." And, you know, just making, making, making jokes. That's a pretty Sm- damn good Snoop impression. Oh, yeah. Smoking a blunt, uh, you know, while he's being interviewed, and, it's, and then it goes to Eminem, and I mean. It's it's fantastic. I'm I'm through episode almost through episode one, and I've got three more to go, and I can't wait. So so it's a four part. It. It's a four yep. part documentary. Yeah, and the episodes are have airing. To get every, on this every, for sure. Yeah, they're airing every Sunday night. But if you have like HBO Go, if you have an HBO yeah. subscription, yeah, 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 yeah. and you have HBO Go, you can watch all of them right now. Right. They're all all available for streaming. Oh, don't worry. We're gonna be all prepared for that for game of thrones that's yeah sunday right yeah it is sunday yeah that, yeah, that, yeah. I, I got a lot of catching up to do there i'm on season two like episode five holy so, crap you ain't yeah. even started no no, <laughs> no. Jared, i'm got, on it, season one episode one. <laughs> oh yeah i mean it, the funny thing is is uh, you know i have some people at work and of course i know a lot of people that just that's the greatest show ever made and i'm typically not like a dungeons and dragons or fantasy type person but but i i really do like game of thrones and so i i actually extended my hbo subscription to be able to to watch that and get caught up and and watch the new season well i I almost think like game of thrones is one of those things where like the production value and just the storytelling in that show is so good it doesn't matter what it would it could be about space it could be about modern day like just the way they twist and tell their stories and like the character development is so good Mm -hmm. like it doesn't matter what the show is really about like i'm with you i'm i was never like a dungeons and dragons kind of guy but i I like this show it's good and it doesn't help and it doesn't hurt that the keeper of the the dragons is khaleesi or amelia clark which is my celebrity crush so huh uh, i did not know that Everybody, have you heard about the Niagara Falls daredevil that jumped off and came to his demise? It was a couple months back that he actually jumped and they found him. Did you guys hear about this at all? Mm-mm. No. I, I, I read the, the headline of the article, but I didn't read the rest of it. Okay, so this guy, the name's Kirk Jones. Kirk Jones came to fame back in October of 2003 for attempting to commit suicide by jumping off of Niagara Falls. Problem is, he survived. And, <laughs> and then became the first person in history to survive a jump from Niagara Falls without being in a safety device. Wow. So he got some, like, <laughs> you know... Wait, are fle- they counting a barrel as a safety device? But this was, in 2003, he jumped off, like, with nothing, <laughs> trying to kill himself and lived. That sucks. So he got famous for jumping off Niagara Falls with nothing and living and ended up, you know, 
securing a job in the circus, boys. Nice. <laughs> he got him a job in the circus, and he, he worked in the circus for a little while. So, of course, that ended, you know, and then he mm-hmm. wasn't really famous now. So then, and gosh, where is it? April 19th, he was spotted in this big, giant bubble ball. <laughs> um, like like those things that people, like, roll down hills in and absolutely. stuff? Absolutely. Okay. People that have gone down waterfalls in before. I guess if there's... See, Niagara is a whole different kind of monster. It's a different kind of waterfall. But, but, I mean, if you're talking about the safest way to go down a waterfall, I would feel like that'd be the thing. So, Unless it pops or gets crushed or whatever. Or but, comes unzipped like his did. Is that what happened? <laughs> well, oh, no. Well, well, they found... Just fills with water. They found his the ball unzipped. Okay, first. They found that first. And he jumped April 19th. They found his body on June 2nd. Okay. Oh. So now they found his car shortly afterwards and inside his car was a big giant pet cage. The pet cage, uh, some information in his car led to his identity. So they count, they stumble across KirkJonesNiagaraFalls.com. And on KirkJonesNiagaraFalls.com, it talks about how him and his seven foot boa constrictor, Misty, we're going to conquer Niagara Falls together in so 2017. You're, ta- you're telling me he brought the snake with him? Seven foot long boa constrictor and a man named Kirk Jones are who we are searching for, <laughs> said the local sheriff. Oh my God. Please tell me that there's like a go, like the guy rigged a GoPro camera or something. He did. In this ball with his Oh no, bowl. so it could no. turn up? So they had, they what they did, they found like two, three days after that people were spotted the ball in the rapids or whatever because right. it's a, yeah, it's a tourist gonna, destination people saw the ball go over it's a river know? it's going to turn up so yeah. uh, they found a, dr- a crashed drone that was his it was re- they traced it somehow back to Kirk so he Jones. was probably like had the drone flying out there filming but this all it had on it was like water water footage footage of like rushing water that's all it could see uh. so man but yeah, so no snake ever found, and of course, like all these reptile experts and people are saying, don't worry about it. It's it gonna die. It couldn't survive in that cold water anyway. Even if so. it survived the water, it wouldn't make it past winter. Like it so. might, it might make it the summer and have a great time eating all mice and having like, oh yeah, I love the north. And then when fall and winter sets in, it'd be like, oh, I hate it. I'm dead. Yeah, he's probably snack. <laughs> he's probably snacking on bears in Canada. <laughs> No better moose <laughs> laughing at you. So, like I said, he became the first person to jump over Niagara Falls without a safety device in 2003. Although he didn't do it on purpose, he still got you know his 15 minutes of fame for it. Two people have done it since, but the first time, just fun fact, the first time that somebody jumped over Niagara Falls in a safety device was in 1901. I know that's wow. been like a in like, an oak barrel. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was about to say in a barrel, mm-hmm. a sealed barrel. Mm-hmm. And they go. Damn right. And they live. Yep. Yeah, that was the first time it was executed um, with success. <laughs> so, Man. So. I actually found out about that a week ago because of this show my dad's addicted to called, um, I think it's Aerial Something, where they just take a bunch of air shot videos of different states. And so the one they were doing, this this last one I saw was about New York. And so they went upstate. That would be interesting and, for sure. Yeah. But there's a lot of good ones. You can just choose the state you want to watch. I think it's on um, 
the Smithsonian Channel or something like that. New York would be a really good one. Fly over that concrete jungle. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about before. So, so I got one more quick one. Everybody, have you heard? That today, July 11th. I'm going to get to one other thing that July 11th is later. But that today, <laughs> July 11th is Cow Appreciation Day. Go get some chicken. Go get you some chicken. <laughs> Save a cow's life. Eat a chicken. <laughs> no, I love it. Because, I mean, there's a Chick-fil-A around where you work too right absolutely yeah. so i've just seen like because i i work today as well and there was just so many people dressed up as cows oh dude i'll post up on my instagram <laughs> tomorrow pictures of my kids that dressed up as cows oh, oh i've so seen good. them yeah <laughs> oh did steph put them up already yeah she <laughs> yeah. did i saw yeah. like not not just your kids but your cousins absolutely and, my niece and, and nephew everybody. man she was scheming steph had this plan woman woman had a plan today cow appreciation day I'm going to go invest a little bit of money in some cow clothes for him, and we're going to go for lunch, go to the pool, and then go up to Knoxville and go to the one in Knoxville yeah. for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. Dude, that, that reminds me of um, Deanne's grandfather and, and her uncles. They Take have, that, Chick-fil-A. They have this tradition that on birthdays, they do just like this gauntlet of all the places that like hook it up for your birthday. Mm. Like, And also, he's a... U.S. Uh, Air Force veteran, so like, you know, he also gets that kind of hookup in a lot of restaurants and places. But they just like they, I don't remember all the places they go, but they have a special place for breakfast, for sure, place for brunch, and then they go to a place for lunch, and they go for dinner, and they do all these places and everywhere. They might spend ten dollars the whole day because all those different places just have like this special hookup for people for on their birthday. birthday, and they just every year just do this gauntlet of just like going around and. Having a good day. You cake. learn that kind of stuff as a bachelor, as like a cheap ass bachelor, <laughs> you know, who's <laughs> living on frozen pizzas and hot pockets from meal to the meal. The McDonald's dollar menu. <laughs> yeah, hey. so the deal was you dress like a cow and you get free food. So you show up How? dressed like a cow. Hmm. And they would take okay. it as simple as taking a piece of paper and like. Like they had these cow faces that were on like a popsicle stick, yeah, kind of like a fat face. I saw or that today. You could put that in front of your face and walk up, and they'd give you a free ice cream cone or something. So I'll be honest in saying it's rare that I see a family of ten kids you know, on a daily basis, but I'll be honest in saying that when I went by Chick Fil A today, I saw about six different families of that size and you i'm, not, believe even, I'm not even kidding oh man it's a minor investment to get some cow printed clothing <laughs> i'm telling you for sure <laughs> so the J- what so jared yeah is it an appropriate is it an appropriate time to ask you how you like your steak oh absolutely medium <laughs> all right because because see here's the deal medium like medium at a restaurant they it usually goes on the lighter side so it's going to be a little bit more on the rarer side. So if you get a medium steak at a restaurant, usually it's going to be pink in the middle. That makes sense. That's fair. That's very true. Yeah, because anything, no. if you go to a, to a restaurant, especially a nicer restaurant or one that pumps their chest out about their steaks, the chef gets kind of you know taken back or offended a little bit when you ask for anything more than medium. You know, you you go medium well or higher for sure. They're going to start to be a little bit like, eh, I'll show this guy medium well. I'll show this guy well done, you know. So, yeah, I'll make it be like his leather belt. You <laughs> 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 might as well just take a bite of my loafer. <laughs> yeah, eat my shoe, partner. Yeah. yeah I, 
Usually, depending, like, if you eat a real cheap steak at home or whatever, I I do actually like A1 sauce, not ketchup. Um, but if you get, like, a if you get a really good steak at a restaurant, I like to, like, dip it in the juice from the steak, yes. if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's heaven right there. You just sop it up, and whatever you can't get in your steak, mm-hmm. steak you get with your biscuits. Oh, <laughs> man. Sop. Mm. Sop. Did you mm. say steak? Biscuit sopa. <laughs> blub, 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 blub. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's done right there. That's how it's mm-hmm. done. All right. Here we go. Less than an hour. Let's wrap up HYH, move on to story time. Jared, you take a break, refuel, get you what you need to get. We'll reconnect here in a few minutes, and we're going to be on for everybody else. Catch you on the next one. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. As always, we love to hear your feedback. Do us a favor and go to your Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and click that like and follow button for all your episode updates and releases. Like us at The Big Red Van Podcast on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Big Red Van Pod. And as always, you can just send us an old fashioned email at The Big Red Van Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and it means the world. Just share us with a friend.